Welcome to another exciting episode of the Faith Awakens podcast. This is episode 22, and um, I am Father Tom Hennon, your, your university chaplain here at St. Ambrose, and joined as I am for each of these podcasts by my co-host... Megan Grady, student for one final year, the last year here at yes. St. Ambrose. What yeah, a strange kind of, final year you're going to have. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Couldn't have predicted this as a freshman, but <laughs> who could have? Nobody. Right. Not even, yeah. And we are very excited to have with us on the podcast this week, too, Dr. Matthew Coomber, who is um, a theology professor here at St. Ambrose, and I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit more. Yeah, thanks, Father Tom. So, yes, I, uh, this is my 10th year now. As a, I'm an associate professor of theology of biblical studies at, here at St. Ambrose University, and um, I'm also an Episcopal priest, and uh and I, uh, hobbies were mentioned. Yes. Yeah. So do I go into that now? Go for it. Sweet. So uh, my main hobby is music. I play uh, mandolin and various types of banjos and in a band. Of course, that's on hiatus right now because uh, of COVID. But um, and then also to keep myself occupied, uh, I enjoy woodworking. I'm a new woodworker. At this point, my wife more says that I'm a collector of woodworking tools, but uh, I, <laughs> I enjoy making things. And I, I uh, brew beer as a hobby, too, which I really enjoy. And, Great uh, hobby. Yeah, and it came together nicely with woodworking because my first big woodworking project was uh, creating a draft system that's in our dining room. So I've, I've got the kegs in there and the, the taps and everything. And you know, that's funny. My, my hobby is beer drinking. <laughs> hey, we, oh we need to get gosh. together on yeah. this. Perfect. So, that go. sounds good. That in sounds moderation, good. always. In moderation, always. <laughs> but I do yes. love a cold brew yeah. every oh, now and then. Okay, indeed. we can say that. We're Catholics. We're adults. Yes. We can drink responsibly, folks. Okay. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that we wanted to talk about on the podcast today, we've kind of gotten a little bit of the student perspective from mm. Meg on this, but just how do you think this whole online slash hybrid learning thing is going so far, a week and a half into it? Um, and of course, last semester um, being forced into that totally online right. version of education, um, you know, very abruptly. But so from a professor's perspective, how do you feel that's going? And and uh, all of that. You know, in COVID-adjusted terms, I think it's going really well. And I, I think it's going much better uh, than, than last spring, just because exactly what you said. When you have something thrust upon you, as opposed to having time to prepare for something, and then also having had the experience doing some of that uh, last spring helped as well. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's not ideal. Mm -hmm. um, us professors, uh, we're... It's not what we're trained in. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge soccer fanatic. And so I think of it in soccer terms. Like, you know, what if, what if you're, um, what if you're a, a midfielder and suddenly there's a red card, one of your team members is off the team and you need to play more of a defensive role? You've got the basic skills and things like that, but it's not what you're used to doing. It's, mm -hmm. it's not your comfort zone. So it's taking me out of my comfort zone. But at the same time, I'm learning a lot of new skills and adapting. And as I talk about how well it's going, and my students might be listening, rolling their eyes, like, yeah, whatever, Coomber. But, but no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good about it. It's, it's not what I want to be doing, but I want to be keeping my students and myself and my family safe. And, yeah. and so, yeah, I think. I know with, uh, of course, teaching is a whole different dynamic in that using that media I've been all of us have been in multiple meetings in those mm. settings and honestly from a from that perspective 
I'm kind of, I've realized there are some meetings that we didn't really need to be together for right. that yeah. could have been a lot shorter actually because I'm finding a lot of these online meetings that I'm on they keep they keep them running you know because they know they don't want someone sitting in front of their screen for an hour and a half sure. you know sure. um, we had some meetings last week I know with the bishop and with the priests in the diocese and we kind of came away from that experience like we should do this more often like nice. not I mean, even beyond COVID because our diocese stretches three hours to the west of us you know so why can't we just, you know, take advantage of this and, and do this more often? That being said, there's nothing that quite replaces the in-person experience. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I wonder, because I, I say that all the time, but then am I just saying that because that's the world I live in and it's what I know, and I'm, yeah. am I just being the old geezer? <laughs> this is the way we've always done it. But um, I don't think that is. You know, the human mind has developed for a long, 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 long time. And uh, that personal interaction, there's things to that that are really important. So I would be, you know, loath to, to see it going in that direction. Although, you know, we're doing more online classes. I did one this summer and, and those go well also. But uh, at some point, I, I mean, at, at some points that's okay, but I think the, the in-person nothing replaces those yeah. dynamics. Mm -hmm. Meg, from the student perspective, I take it that's the same for you. I know you yeah. like being back and being in classes. So. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I I think everyone's been really good about being flexible. Mm -hmm. I think uh, that says a lot about the professors here that they were able to adapt so quickly. Um, I felt really bad when we went online for you guys because <laughs> well, it was thank like you. everybody, <laughs> everybody was just like I felt bad for uh, the professors I had at least because it took them like two weeks to like figure out what was oh. happening, and I thought that was really quick, you know, mm -hmm. to figure out all the logistics and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think, I think coming out of this, I think everyone's going to give everyone else a little bit more grace when it comes to, mm -hmm. um, if they're sick, stay home, you know, right. beyond COVID, you know, when yeah. this thing gets, when, I don't know, but when this thing gets figured out, um, if a student's sick, I think a professor is going to be like, okay, it's probably good, best if you stay home here, I'll stream you in. I think that would be a possibility. Yeah. Um, just cause I hate missing class. Like if, well, you know, and I think the other side of that is I don't think students are, I think they will be maybe less likely to take advantage of, oh, I'm just going to tell my professor I'm sick because they want to be there too yeah. in person right. if they can be. Like yeah. They're, yeah. they're fighting to be there, um, but they also recognize, yeah, if I have any of these symptoms, of course I'm going to tell them I'm sick. Yeah. But, I mean, will there always be some that are kind of game in the system? Of right. course. But yeah. I think most mostly I th our students have realized through this that they also crave that personal interaction yeah. and the in-class yeah. experience. Yeah, and I'm I'm such a homebody, so going home wasn't really a problem for me. It was doing school at home. Yeah. So like I, when I go <laughs> home, I like to be at home with my family. I love my family. I love hanging out with my dog. Like um but then all of a sudden these two worlds like at school and home were combined right. for the rest of the semester and it just it didn't work for me. And yeah. some people didn't have a great like home situation. Yeah. So they were being forced to go there. So I think everyone's just really grateful to be back. And I, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. I just hope, I hope people follow the rules so that we can stay here and not, yeah, you me know. Too. Amen. What you just said reminded me of something that's an interesting <laughs> dynamic for me uh, last spring, uh, teaching online, and I was holding office hours. And so I had a bunch of students who were on my online office hours. We were discussing a bunch of things. And, you know, in biblical studies, uh, everyone has an idea of what the Bible is. And sometimes the stuff that we throw at people is quite controversial. Uh, in, in to various different uh, sectors of Christianity. 
And so uh, a student was asking about, I think we were talking about the flood narrative. And, and I mean, the, the flood narrative, I mean, just scientifically speaking, we have no evidence of a pan-global flood. And so I, I talk about that story in terms of myth. And, and, well, and then I talk in terms of, well, what, what's God trying to teach us through this story? And what are we trying to get from that? And as we're talking about that, I can see my students on screen, and then suddenly I see a parent head come into view yeah. on the monitor. I'm like, oh, we're not alone. <laughs> like, okay, well, I hope that went well. But yeah, I hope they're paying tuition. True. What's yeah. that? I hope they're paying tuition. I know. Right. I know. Yeah. 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 Getting no, a free class. That's yeah. that's funny you say that because my mom like was interested in some. I was telling her about some of the things in my history class, and my I had her just like sit in a chair there and like oh, yeah. listen to the lecture because she was just interested. And that that part was kind of cool. But yeah, that like that kind of stuff, you know, especially if the parents don't necessarily like know what you're talking about, right. it can be problem. Yeah, problematic. that's the thing. I don't I don't mind talking to parents about these things, and then I, I don't feel like um yeah being clandestine or anything. It's just that if they don't have the context of what we talked about the week right. before and what exactly. I mean, it can sound a bit. You'd be like, sketchy. who is this guy? Right, right. <laughs> so actually what you brought up there about the flood narrative and, uh, and uh, scriptural scholarship here is a great segue into time. the next topic. <laughs> He's really good. I'm always really good yeah. at finding those little yeah. segues. Awesome. <laughs> um, but I thought, I think a lot of people are asking questions that we have asked as human beings from the beginning, which mm. is, you know, the, the basic hard question is why do bad things happen yeah. to good people? Why is there such a thing even as natural evil, you know, in terms of right. uh, a, a disease in this case, or, you know, natural disasters. I know they're preparing for a big hurricane in, you know, Louisiana and Texas right now. And of course, when it comes to those human evils, which we've witnessed, sadly, a lot, you know, yeah. in our, in even recent history in our own country and situation in regard to racial justice and things like that, we can say, well, there's, there's a human being somewhere behind that or a right. group of human beings somewhere behind that. And we need to work on the heart of those human beings to stop that. Yes. But how do you deal with this when Oof. it's, you know, a, a, an illness or a natural disaster? And I mean, I have my own answer. I'm guessing it's probably close to what your answer would be. But I want to hear from you first as a, as a scripture. We should say, OK, go one, two, three. <laughs> no. Um, well, the short answer is I, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's my answer, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, before I came over here, uh, I went uh, next door to my, my colleague and friend, uh, Dr. Keel's office. And I, I, his door was open. So I said to him, hey, uh, uh, Micah, um, I'm about to go on this podcast. I'm supposed to talk about theodicy. You know, why do bad things happen to good people? So can you just remind me, why do bad things happen to good people? <laughs> in a nutshell. I was hoping you would. Yeah, yeah, in a nutshell. Um, no, it's an excellent question. And, and why it's such an excellent question, or what indicates that it's such an excellent question, is because we've been wrestling with it for thousands of years. That, that question, why? And for those of us who are people of faith, that gets connected to an almighty God, right? And, and what does that mean? And, and sorry, not to repeat mm -hmm. yourself, but just kind of help myself get in my thought group. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, with people doing things and evil and all of that, uh, I often hear that, you know, well, God will never give us what we can't handle. Well, God might not, but that guy with the knife in the corner might, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and then how do we deal with that? But mm -hmm. when we get to the natural world, it gets a lot more complicated. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, throughout the Bible, uh, you have natural disasters mm -hmm. from uh, natural disasters as forms of punishment 
to natural disaster uh, coming just as something that happened to natural disasters that are supposed to herald things that are coming next. Um, one thing that I bear in mind as a biblical scholar when I read these texts is that today we have such a greater frame of reference Mm-hmm. of our physical world than yes. they did in the ancient world. Now, in the ancient world, farming was pretty much the only game in town, unless you're a part of the top 3%. There was no middle class. It was the top 3%, and then really the 97% who they exploited for their farm labor. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and for them, the natural world was such an intimate part of, of keeping up with the with the taxations they suffered from the empires and, and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So when something went wrong, it affected them on many levels. Mm. But when fatal natural disasters occurred upon them, which drought would include as well, they didn't have a way of understanding it except for the gods were doing this. If you mm-hmm. read Genesis 1, you've got uh, the, the, the cosmos is land, and then there's a dome uh, uh, in Genesis on the on the second day. Mm-hmm. Uh, God takes the waters and separates the waters above and the waters below. The waters below are the seas. The waters above is this sky dome that exists, this firmament that was filled with water. And when God or in another Mesopotamian religion, it would be Baal or someone else saw so fit, they would open the doors, it would let rain down. And when they were angry with you, they would keep them closed and you would dry out. We know that's not the case, mm-hmm. right? I mean, when NASA goes into orbit, they, they don't have, or SpaceX, they don't have to worry about the trajectory change when they hit that firmament and go through the aqua layer and they come off the other one. I mean, it's just not there. Yeah. So they really had no options but to see an earthquake, anything of this nature is God's doing this to me or the gods are doing this to mm-hmm. me. So I, I think right now, and keeping my prayers of people down in, in Texas and Louisiana that are about to get slammed mm-hmm. with a category four hurricane that could have, I was hearing a 13-foot surge, 18-foot mm. surge. Um, where does that come from? Well, yeah. we, we live in a dynamic planet. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes... <laughs> it's not at all answering your question, but I... This, no, this is, I'm, no, I'm this is really right. good. Okay. <laughs> We God, we live in a dynamic planet, and there's action and reaction. And there's so many forces in nature going on, both above the ground and below the ground, and a mixture of the between, that things get set in motion, and we get in the way. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, Rabbi, oh my gosh, he wrote the book on why bad things happen to good people. Uh, Rabbi, oh my gosh, I'm going to remember as soon as I get out of the studio. <laughs> but he, uh, to, to the listeners, forgive me for, for my absent mindfulness here, but he wrote a book about his son who died of an illness. That's another form of natural disaster, which mm. we're really experiencing now with the pandemic. And he was born with a very debilitating disease. Uh, I believe he lived uh, maybe seven or 12 years old, somewhere in there, and then, and then died. And in his trying to wrestle with that, he thought, well, I can look at God in three ways. I can look at God that uh, God makes these things happen. At the funeral, a number of people told him, well, this happened to you because you're such a righteous man and you can handle this. Mm. To which his response was, why are you trying to make me hate God? I would rather mm. be the worst, most vile man than have my goodness bring upon this suffering to my loved one, my, my child. Another way of looking, and so he thought, I can't be in community with that kind of a God. 
the other way he came up of looking with it was to think of God is looking on, but just doesn't care. Just mm. as disinterested that, mm-hmm. yeah, well, tough. You're born with a debilitating disease. You're going to die. Yeah, it is what it is. He also couldn't live with that kind of a God or be in community with that kind of God. Mm-hmm. He d- decided that the type of God that he could understand within this context, the type of God that he could be with, and the type of God that he could believe actually exists with all the other things that he knows about God, is a God that sits with us hmm. and, is, and isn't in control of everything. And as that child was dying, God was weeping right with him and his wife hmm. and wishes that uh, he, or uh, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but mm-hmm. maybe wishes he could do something, but this is the way things are moving. And, and in a way, I kind of look at the hurricane the same way. Mm-hmm. I can imagine God calling out, okay, FEMA, get ready for this. Uh, people get inland as much as you can. Hey, there's poor people who can't transport themselves like we saw back in Hurricane Katrina back in 2005. Uh, they need to be evacuated, mm-hmm. encouraging, cheering on, but ultimately unable for whatever reason yeah. uh, to stop this thing from barreling forward. Yeah. So I look at it that way. Another way that I look at it too with natural disaster is action and reaction right Mm -hmm. so we live in a world of action reaction and we have not been good to our planet Mm -hmm. and the planet some people think well mother nature's getting back no that's not it i don't see mother nature's conscious in that way or vengeful in that way you know you put sugar in your gas tank it's not going to it's not going to go very well Mm -hmm. right it's going to destroy the pistons um so in that way as well, yeah. uh, with the increase of natural disasters that we are facing, the wildfires in California, which are, I mean, we've always had wildfires, yeah. we need wildfires, but this is off the scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We also need to be looking at, okay, there's this sort of natural evil, but what can we do? We can't stop it from ever happening, but what can we do to mitigate it? And that's where the human element comes back in. And again, it's not in. total control over those things, but still... We can point to certain behaviors or patterns of behaviors or behaviors done by a large group of people over a long period of time that right. have had effects that we yes. have to deal with. But, well, I mean, that's more or less the answer I would give to, okay, actually. Cool. So, I mean, I always kind of think of it like I know the wrong answers. I can throw yeah. those out right away. Like, right. so the person who says, oh, everything happens for a reason. Right. How do you tell that to the person who's lost their child? How right. do you right. tell that to the person who's yeah. in the hospital bed with COVID? You know, right. um, that doesn't jive, right? No. You know, Mm-mm. the other option is just to say, obviously there's no God or he doesn't right. love us. So eat, drink and be mar- married because tomorrow we die, you know, right. and just right. like, and so I know those are like the extremes. Sure. And so what stands in the middle is basically what we said at the beginning. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I do believe, like you say, that God can be in this with me, you know? Right. And I think there's a big difference, for example, with the pandemic. Some people are wanting to kind of use this language of purification, that maybe God is purifying us through this. I think there's a big difference between saying God is purifying us through this and we can be purified through this if we yeah, allow yeah. ourselves to be purified yes, by this. Yeah. But it's yeah. not like God's like activity purifying us. We are facing this situation that is just a reality. It comes with living on planet Earth right. and how we respond to that will either purify us in some ways, spiritually, physically, right. <laughs> otherwise, or not, depending right. on how we take it. So, yeah. yeah. Meg, what do you think? Oh, goodness. Yeah. I don't know. I appreciate both of you guys um, as, like, 
what I would consider both of you ex- like semi experts. No one's a complete expert in like no, you religious can go ahead and studies. Call us experts. Yeah, yeah, that's um, fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, pump up your ego here. Um, no, I I, admi- I admire both of you in that um, aspect too. So um, I think it's really like refreshing to hear you guys say I don't know mm-hmm. and not give like this is what I think. Blah 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 blah. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's good you guys say I don't know, but this is what I think instead of saying, this is what I think and saying, you know, yeah. I don't know if that made any sense, but it did in my head when I was thinking about it. Well, it's for, from, for a student, <laughs> for our students, I think, especially, I think it is liberating to hear that because yeah. they are looking for answers yes. and sometimes like hard and fast answers. And sometimes there aren't hard and fast right. answers. Yeah. And so if they know that the people that are preaching to them or teaching to them don't have those hard and fast answers yeah. either, they're like, okay, if they can live with mystery, I can live with mystery right? <laughs> right. and just let this unfold yeah. as life goes on. Yeah. Great. Right. You know, um, so, you know, yeah, I don't, there's a lot of answers I don't have um, and never will this side yeah. of heaven. Yeah. And right. I don't think uh, I want all the answers though. You yeah. Know? I don't want to know. <laughs> I, you know, I think, you know, that, that kind of heavenly revelation, the beatific vision, I think it'll be less like, Oh, now that makes sense. And it'll be more like, whoa, this is way bigger than making sense according to my categories, you know? Yeah, like next level. It'll be, I mean, I think that's kind of like where at the end of Job, like Job is reduced to silence. You know, he can't, he can say nothing in the face of this, you know? And I think that's where we're at with a lot of these yeah. Things, but. I often say my my uh, my vision of heaven <clears throat> for me, like my, my own personal paradise within within the community of saints paradise. It, when 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 I when I get to the the, the pearly gates, I just want to say to Saint Peter, shh, 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 you know, hush, hush. Yeah. I, I don't want to know, and yeah. and I I'm hoping that heaven's like a massive library, yeah, <laughs> uh, where I can just study everything and and learn everything and i'll actually have the ability to comprehend chemistry and biology yeah. and those things yeah, that i'm not good nice. at and just study all this stuff and oh that would just be paradise to spend eternity <laughs> learning more and more and more and more and then a kind of a level up a way of doing yeah. it too or yeah so we got a couple minutes left and i do want to make sure that we include a little bit of conversation about this so um we asked our guest last week, uh, Dr. Christopher Waugh, our Dean of Students, if he had any like favorite Star Wars moments, um, you know, in any of the movies or any of the, uh, the, the material that has been put out there. So any like, ah, I always go back to this or this always kind of makes my spine tingle or oh, um, I remember <laughs> being 10 years old every time I see this scene, you know, any of those big Star Wars moments for you? Oh, in a, in a couple of minutes, right. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh heavens. One big one for me that I try to, I'm going to try to talk real fast like an auctioneer. One, one <laughs> that, that works for me is uh, when, when Luke Skywalker realizes that the small being is Yoda and how we view strength, how we view power does not match up with what strength and power actually yep. are. And that it's not even, you know, Yoda's moves with the lightsaber that makes it so powerful. It's the wisdom. Mm-hmm. And then learning from failure because Yoda really messed up uh with anakin yoda really messed up mm. uh with the whole jedi council and the trusting of senator palpatine who turned out to be darth sidious and mm-hmm. and and he's trying to avoid those same mistakes when working with luke and and mm. all of that another point that's really big for me and now 
I'm, I'm going to get into the more recent <laughs> movies now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so these aren't ones that have been so long, but some, some big impressions. And I'm so off with names, which all my students will know. But the, the, the admiral, the, the leader, uh, the, the woman that Poe keeps ignoring mm. um, uh, is they're running away uh, from the First Order and they're, they're, they're getting further and further away. But she has this plan, and then I don't want to give any spoilers, mm. but this plan comes to fruition. And again, you see a very different form of power. She mm -hmm. was a woman who was in a position of power, mm -hmm. but she was also very much herself. Mm -hmm. uh, and now there's very, of course, an uh, infinite way for women to be themselves. But she more like had a ball gown on sort of thing, and, yeah. and, and her hair was perfect and, and all of this. Mm -hmm. Yet she knew right what she was doing, and Poe couldn't see that at all until her plan came to fruition. Uh. And I thought that was a really beautiful thing that um, that power doesn't have to look like traditional masculine forms of. This power is Admiral Holdo, I believe. Thank you, yes. Admiral yeah. Holdo. I thought that was so powerful. And and as I was watching it, it totally made me eat a big bite of humble pie too. And yeah. that happened. Although I, I will tell you, I was really hoping that Admiral Akbar might go down with the ship, you know, instead right. of Admiral Holdo. Instead, he just got sucked out into he space. Just got and like, yeah. out and Here's this great boy. character from the original trilogy that's just that gone, was, that sucked out sad. into space. <laughs> oh. Oh. But and to sneak in one more, mm -hmm. in, in the most recent <laughs> one, the line uh, about how they want you to feel alone. That's mm. how they win. And throughout mm. history, and so with my study abroad course on resistance to Nazi Germany in mm. Europe, the resistance movements, that's what the Nazis try to do all the time, is make you feel like you were all alone. And mm. it resonated so closely. Mm. And it's so true today, too, in struggles for liberation, struggles for justice. The powers that be want to make you think that you're crazy, that the problems aren't there, that no one else is on your side. But... Once you come together, uh, yeah. amazing things can happen. Yeah. It all just weaves together so nicely. So yeah, that's why we call this podcast "The Faith Awakens." <laughs> uh, speaking of that, uh, by the way, I have some special news to share with people, and that is that soon, I hope, we are going to have original theme music for exciting. our podcast, Ooh, nice. composed by our very own coordinator of music justice and media ministry, Lauren Bullweg. I've already been talking to her about it, and she's kind of working some ideas around. I told her I definitely wanted some John Williams kind of influence in there, Star Wars. Say, yeah. And then so she was already starting to kind of plink out for me a little bit on the piano, this like meshing between the Star Wars theme and um, all creatures of our God and King. So I'm like, ooh, wow. I like where this is going. Sweet. So we'll yeah. wait and see what happens. Um, I'm thinking maybe by the time we hit episode 25, that'll be a big episode. Maybe maybe we can premiere our, our new theme yeah. music in a few episodes. So. <laughs> nice. That's exciting. We'll see what happens. But um, Dr. Coomber, it has been absolutely fantastic to have you on today. Yeah. And thank oh, you thank so you. much. Yeah. Thank you for having yeah. me. This was really fun. No, we enjoy it. I want to say, Coomber, I don't know how, like, you know, if you know this or not, you are so beloved on this campus. Oh, bless. You are. Oh, thank and you. Um, I told multiple people that you were coming on today and they were so excited. Oh, that's lovely. And I know uh, they've told me they've listened to all, my, all the other episodes I've done. I know they will listen to this one. Oh, so. Our, our ratings are going to shoot up. Yeah, just for real. So oh, I just wanted bless. to let you know that. Thank you so much. Yeah. That means a lot. Thank you. All right, well, Meg. This campus. <laughs> yeah. Bring us home, if you will, as you usually do. All right. Um, everyone, wear a mask, and may the faith be with you. And with your spirit. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Have a good week. <laughs>